You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Police are trying to figure out what caused a driver to cross the center line plowing into two women walking their dogs in central Saanich last night. The victims, sisters. One died, the other is fighting for her life in hospital. Kylie Stanton has more on the investigation and why that stretch of road is notorious. Flowers begin to line this busy stretch of road as the central Saanich community tries to come to grips with what happened here. It was quite a shock, as you can imagine. It's, it's hard, sorry. <laughs> Just after 7 o'clock Monday evening, two sisters in their late 40s, early 50s were walking a couple of dogs when a vehicle crossed the center line, striking them from behind before crashing into a pole. That car was just total. And I saw the one girl laying on the road and the other girl laying on the side of the road. Drivers stopped and neighbors rushed to help, a nurse and off-duty paramedic included. As it stands at the moment, we have one fatality. Uh, and another one in hospital in critical condition. The driver stayed at the scene, remained there. Um, he had minor injuries and uh, was taken to hospital, but was what was released. Now, we did speak with one witness who did confirm to us that the driver of the vehicle was his nephew, Tony Thomas Jr. He was expecting him and came out to the edge of the driveway just moments before the crash. He saw the vehicle start to swerve towards the two women. That's when he said he tried yelling to get their attention, but it was too late. He was in shock, so... Now, police are investigating what caused this to happen along this straightaway. And while it doesn't appear any environmental factors were at play on the bright and dry evening, there's still a long list of things to rule out. Now, was there something mechanical about the vehicle that caused it suddenly to go off-road? Uh, was there a medical issue that the driver was having? And then there's the state of the driver. The sobriety of the driver is... is part of our investigation, yes. It could take months before there are any concrete answers in this case. In the meantime, residents here are hoping this serves as a reminder to drivers, slow down. Vehicles do travel by really fast. I would like to see lights and sidewalks. At this point, there's no way of knowing if anything would have prevented this tragedy. What those here do know is this could have happened to anyone who may have just been in the wrong place at the wrong time. And we feel really sorry for the family. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. A former realtor caught in a creep catcher sting has pleaded guilty, but he won't see jail time. 37-year-old Kuljinger Singh Bhatti was confronted by the group at a Tim Hortons back in April of 2017. Creep catchers allege he was there to meet up with a woman posing as a mother that was selling sex with herself and her fictitious six-year-old daughter. Batty was initially charged with communicating to buy underage sex, but earlier this week he pled guilty to a lesser charge and was handed a one-year conditional sentence and a $500 fine. New information tonight about what caused the death of a 14-year-old Delta boy earlier this year. Last January, Kyle Lasse collapsed at his family's home. A vaping device was found nearby, raising concerns about what he might have inhaled. Grace Key has the details of the coroner's report and the truth it reveals about the teen's sudden passing. 14-year-old Kyle Lasse was a rising star on the baseball field. With a big heart, he made sure no one felt left out. A long-awaited coroner's report reveals his cause of death, but his family questions his medical care at Delta Hospital. It did, you know, give us a cause of his death, but it still leaves lots of unanswered questions. In January, Kyle was rushed to Delta Hospital after he collapsed on his bathroom floor. A nicotine vape was found next to him. Lab work showed no alcohol or drugs in his system. 
His consciousness improved and he was discharged the next morning. Eight hours later, he was rushed to BC Children's Hospital. A CT scan revealed a massive stroke. Kyle died the next day at 14, 14 hours, his jersey number. We think that if they would have took a few steps to see what was going on with him, that wouldn't have been the outcome. The coroner's report states there's no indication that e-vaping contributed to Kyle's death. He had a stroke caused by a pre-existing rare condition and died of natural causes. I think they definitely focused on the vape and made the assumption that um, there was another substance inside of it that wasn't being reported on the um, toxicologies that they did. In a statement, Fraser Health says the report is under review and it does not provide any recommendations in terms of the care provided. We want procedures to be put in place that um, a full you know, workup is done of patients when they come in that um, assumptions aren't made. The law says will decide on how they want to proceed. They know nothing will bring Kyle back, but they feel changes in the system are needed. Grace Key, Global News. A man who was viciously attacked in Kamloops five years ago has now died, and the coroner's service is investigating. In March of 2013, Michael Forey was hit in the head with a longboard just outside of 7-Eleven. The incident caught on surveillance video. Forey was in a coma for three weeks and left with permanent brain damage. He passed away earlier this month. It's not yet known if his death was a result of his brain injury. The B.C. Prosecution Service says Forey's attacker, who was 15 at the time, won't be tried again. He was convicted but avoided jail time for the assault. A hazardous goods cleanup crew was in action in Burnaby today, hauling away a mountain of asbestos ditched in a back alley. Aaron MacArthur has more on where the mess may have come from and how common illegal dumping is becoming. Moving this pile of asbestos-contaminated garbage was two days in the making. Uh, this is not uncommon. I do this every day. The bags full of a known carcinogen blocking a Burnaby alley first reported Monday afternoon. Why aren't they doing anything? Because this is a hazard for everybody in the area. The city was aware of the problem Monday afternoon, but the contractor it uses to remove asbestos couldn't pick up until Tuesday morning. The best the city could do was to park a cop car in the alley and make sure the pile was undisturbed. I've worked with asbestos before. We've always got to suit up. Uh, you can't be touching it, you can't be breathing it in. So to dump it in a neighborhood with kids walking by, people walk their dogs every morning. So it's not something you want to see. The dumping of asbestos in alleys in Burnaby costs the city hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. So far this year, city crews have responded to 96 calls. If we can review the contents and we can find some article that would link it to a certain location, uh, then we could look to prosecute and recover costs. Uh, we can do enforcement through our bylaw. And uh, for larger ones, we could even look to pursue criminal charges. Neighbours wondered at first if the debris came from a nearby home undergoing asbestos abatement. The RCMP is investigating. It'd be great if they could figure it out, but I mean, all we want to see is just taken off the road. We don't want anybody to get in contact with it, so. The asbestos was dealt with by about noon, and if the pattern holds, crews will be finding another pile of it before the end of the week. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Outreach workers helping the homeless have noticed a troubling new trend. Until recently, the Union Gospel Mission focused its mobile outreach work in inner city areas of Vancouver and New Westminster. Their vehicle hitting the streets twice per week in those areas. But now they've noticed homelessness surging into the suburbs. 
So they're expanding service to four times a week with a focus on places as far away as Langley, Cloverdale and North Vancouver. July um, 2017, we helped about 100 people with this vehicle. July 2018, thanks to the new expansion, we helped close to 700 people. We found 150 new contacts in just one month alone. That's how many people are becoming homeless. That's how many people are in need. I did nine months inside a jail and came out with no plans or not many resources to help me out with. So this is definitely a treat. Well, it's nice of them to do that. You know, uh, not a lot of people do that. So um, it is a blessing. The UGM says they continue to find new homeless camps and more people in need further afield where there are typically fewer homeless supports. BC's finance minister revealing today the province had a surplus last year of $301 million. That's $55 million more than forecast. But that flow of cash could slow to a trickle as the province's cash cow is drying up. Richard Zussman explains why and what it'll mean for taxpayers. It has been the BC government's golden goose property transfer tax revenues. We need a long-term stable growth in British Columbia, not speculative real estate markets. The province unveiled the final 2017-18 budget numbers today. Property transfer taxes were $266 million more than expected, accounting for $2.1 billion into the provincial coffers, a big part of the province's $301 million surplus. But housing prices are correcting themselves and housing sales are down, which means that goose may have laid its last golden egg. The province is going to have to be doing some adjustments, downward adjustments, to their revenue forecast from, the, from this particular source. No question about that. The question is, how does the provincial government replace those revenues and pay for promises like child care, transit, and addressing housing affordability? The overall budget is close to $60 billion. The government collects revenue from multiple other sources, and I don't think that a slowdown just in property sales is going to be enough to really deliver uh, a hammer blow. The government also has some new sources of income, including a speculation tax and an employer's health tax to pay for getting rid of medical service plan premiums. I think the current government has decided that they want to spend their way into popularity and do it on the backs of British Columbia taxpayers. But if lower property transfer tax revenues do indeed mean less expensive homes, that golden goose may be something British Columbians are happy to say goodbye to. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Right now, though, a new warning tonight for Canadians who love seafood. Nearly half the seafood sold in this country is not what the label says it is. Linda Aylesworth has the shocking results of an Oceanic Canada investigation into fish fraud. How to spot it and what, if anything, the government is doing about it. You may think you know where your seafood comes from and what it is, but there's a very good chance you're wrong. That according to a report by Oceanic Canada. What the results demonstrated is that of the nearly 400 samples tested, an alarming 44% were in fact mislabeled. Everybody should be mad about this. We shouldn't be complacent about our food. This, we put it into our bodies. It's the single most important thing. That, that decision that we should be making every day is what we are going to eat. Chef Robert Clark takes seafood very seriously. He specialized in its preparation for 25 years. If you're selling mislabeled seafood, you don't know where it was caught, when it was caught, how it was caught. And those are the pillars of, of establishing a well-managed uh, fishery. And that is bad for the ocean and the creatures that live in it. Certainly the ocean is suffering, seafood fraud 
disguises endangered species, 30% of the samples we uncovered were threatened, vulnerable, or endangered species. It's also bad for the pocketbook. Oceana Canada's report found that 74% of mislabeled seafood in Canada is sold as a more expensive fish than it really is. Hundreds of millions of dollars is being taken from our pockets every year because of mislabeling. At the root of the problem, Canada, which imports 80% of its seafood, does not track fish products through the global supply chain. The government says it's working on the problem. Its response? The Canadian Food Inspection Agency is aware of the concerns around seafood fraud. The Safe Food for Canadians regulations will improve traceability requirements throughout the supply chain, including for seafood products. But Oceana Canada says those regulations, due to take effect next year, fall short. And the regulations that they put in place do not address seafood fraud. They do not keep illegally caught seafood out of Canadian markets. What's a consumer to do? Check out Oceana.ca and heed this advice. Buy local. The less borders it crosses, the less hands it touches, the less chance there or opportunity there is uh, to mislabel it. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. A good news update now about that missing bulldog we first told you about on last night's news hour. Oh, look at him, he knows he's in trouble. Arzu is back home after disappearing from his North Delta home yesterday morning. Surveillance video shows him being coaxed across the street by an unknown man who picked him up and put the dog in his car before driving away. After desperately searching around, the owners spotted the dog in a car in the same neighborhood. They got Arzu back only after blocking the vehicle in the driveway and then confronting the driver. Aw, Arzu's happy to be home. Cute dog. It is going to cost you more to fly with Canada's two biggest airlines. Andrew joins us now with the latest price hikes on baggage. And what are they doing now? Well, you're going to have to travel lighter. Is that even mm-hmm. possible? No. <laughs> We're trying to go as light <laughs> so as we can. right? We yeah. Thanks, you too. If you're flying Air Canada or WestJet in the lowest fare categories and you want to take anything more than a carry-on, you're going to pay more. Both airlines choosing today to announce they're raising their fees for check baggage. Your first bag will go from $25 to $30. And if you have a second bag, they're really going to ding you here. That fee goes from $30 to $50. The airlines say by raising in the rates for so-called optional services, they can keep basic fares lower. Travelers at Vancouver International today, not impressed. I think that they're trying to make a lot of money off of people who are trying to travel places, and it's not really fair. You're held captive then, or yeah. I mean, you, what do you do? you got to fly if you yep. want to get someplace. Extra $25 per person. We have four people, so that's oh. an extra $100. And when you're staying here just a couple days, it's okay. But if you're coming for more than a few days, you need your luggage. That certainly does add up. And as we mentioned, these higher rates apply to the lower fare categories. Customers paying higher fares won't pay more for bags. Of course, airlines have been adding fees for years now, charging for more leg room, early boarding, and other upgrades. Air Canada earned more than a billion dollars from those fees last year. WestJet took in about $440 million. And if you have a consumer issue for me, there's my email address at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right, thanks for that, Anne. It is one of the worst environmental disasters in Canadian mining history, and some are worried it could happen again. A new report says the 2014 Mount Pauly tailing spill in B.C.'s Caribou and a similar disaster in Brazil highlight serious problems in the mining industry that still haven't been resolved. Ted Chernecki reports. That's the affluent from the tailings pond 
It's been four years since the Mount Polly Dam broke, sending 24 million cubic meters of water and mine tailings into Polly Lake, down Hazeltine Creek, and into Quinell Lake. Four years later, the author of a paper called Chronicles of a Disaster Foretold believes there are more environmental disasters to come. Just in BC itself, that there would in all likelihood be two more tailings dam collapses in the next decade and probably six in the next 30 years. She attributes that to geologists who a year later studied a similar tailings collapse in Mariana, Brazil that killed at least 17 people and was an even bigger environmental disaster than Mount Pauly. The problem, she says, is systemic in that governments bow too quickly to mining companies. Mining companies have not only succeeded in a series of mechanisms to push for this self-regulation and, and downplay the role of governments, but they, they absolutely dominate the narrative about mining. And if you would ask me two weeks ago if that could happen, I would have said it couldn't happen. She uses that quote, arguing that the company should have known that a breach was likely based on a 2010 inspection report and warnings from employees. Within a year of the collapse, Imperial Metals had spent at least $70 million in cleanup costs, but the author wonders where the once critical NDP is today. Now that they're in power, they're, uh, they seem to be a good deal more reticent to really tackle these problems. But the Auditor General was fearless. We reached out to both the BC Environment and Natural Resources Ministries, but had not heard back from either by deadline. Ted Chernacki, Global News. The music of Aretha Franklin rings out in the streets of Detroit as thousands line up for blocks to pay their final respects to the Queen of Soul. Many people traveled across the country. Some have been waiting since yesterday. Franklin is lying in repose inside the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History, her gospel recordings playing as fans file past. A shocking development in the story of the German tourist who was shot early this month on a southern Alberta highway. Fourteen charges, including attempted murder, have now been laid against a 16-year-old boy. It was a holiday that came to a terrifying end. An unsuspecting family visiting from Germany now going home with a traumatic memory of their Alberta vacation. A 60-year-old man shot in the head by a passenger of a passing vehicle. Someone they've now learned is just 16 years old. It has been a high-profile case. Everybody wants justice for something like this. It's a very serious offense and it drawn international interest because of the victim being from out of the country. Um, we can appreciate that and we understand and the need to see justice done. But that's the same for any case such as this. I don't think it would have mattered who the victim was. Our investigators have talked to over a hundred people through the course of this investigation. And that's taking all these little pieces of a puzzle and put them together, which led to, led to identifying the suspect. The teenager is a resident of the Stony Nakota First Nation and was arrested on Friday night. The vehicle he was traveling in has been seized, as well as the firearm, believed to have been used to fire that single round into the driver's side window. Doctors in Germany has, have successfully removed the bullet from the victim. And that bullet will be sent here to Canada where it will undergo forensic testing to compare it to the firearm which has been recovered. The lawyer for the teen says this is very emotional for the young man and his mother who was shaken by the charges. Alan Hepner says he's not sure his client fully understands the gravity and severity of the attempted murder charge. We believe that um, the firing of the weapon into the driver's window meets that threshold, that, that there was a, a, no, a knowledge that that action could reasonably cause that person death. 
The victim will have a long road to recovery before restoring some quality of life. A spokesperson with the Honorary Consul of Germany tells Global News he underwent a second surgery, which went well, but says it's too early to predict the outcome. The family is grateful to investigators for their work on this case. Jill Crotel, Global News. Caught on video, an e-cigarette explosion that caused serious injuries. A man is shopping for a TV when his pants explode like firecrackers. He suffered severe burns to his leg. The store's owner says it could have been much worse if the flames had ignited any of the cardboard boxes in the warehouse. Disgraced comedian Louis C.K. is feeling the backlash today after taking the stage for a surprise performance in New York City last night. He got a standing ovation from the crowd, but there are many today who say he hasn't done enough to make them forget about his Me Too moment. Louis C.K.'s performance on Sunday night at a New York comedy club was just 15 minutes. His appearance unannounced. The crowd gave him a standing ovation. It was his first performance since being accused of exposing and touching himself in front of multiple women. He was just like regular Louis. The club about, owner you know, says he made no mention of it in his act. I do wish he had. I, I think it would have been much better for him. I think it would have taken some of the heat off of us. In November, Louis C.K. admitted that the accusations of sexual misconduct were true. The response was swift. His deals with FX Network, Netflix, and HBO were canceled. Now the comedian and the New York Club are facing criticism for his performance. It's a very difficult position to be standing between a person and his livelihood. I know that Me Too was supposed to destroy a lot of men's careers. It hasn't exactly. But what it didn't do is give women the opportunity to have careers. Last May, one of Louis C.K.'s accusers, Rebecca Corey, wrote an article saying she received death threats and was attacked online since going public. Also writing, the idea that C.K. re-entering the public eye would ever be considered a comeback story is disturbing. The guy exploited his position of power to abuse women. In his statement last year, Louis C.K. wrote, there is nothing about this that I forgive myself for adding, I will now step back and take a long time to listen. Tonight, his critics don't think he took long enough. Stephanie Gosk, NBC News, New York. New York police were forced to shut down part of Times Square today and remove a public safety risk. A huge swarm of bees took a liking to the yellow and blue umbrella over a hot dog stand. Police shut down the intersection and an officer known as the NYPD's bee guy was called in to remove the bees and take them to a safer location. That is a vacuum he's using, isn't it? In Health Matters tonight, new research sets off a new debate about some of the hottest diets right now. A large-scale study says low-carb diets are unsafe and should be avoided. The study of the data of nearly 25,000 people found those who eat the least carbohydrates have a 32% higher risk of premature death. The risk of dying of heart disease is 51% higher. Cerebrovascular disease, such as strokes, 50% higher. And cancer, 35% higher. The study doesn't prove cause and effect, but experts say the findings spotlight the potential impact on long-term health of low-carb diets or any extreme eating plan. Yes. 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 
Yeah, you are. The 11-year-old Chicago girl who went viral after Canadian superstar Drake surprised her in the hospital. She gets her new heart. How she's doing right after the forecast. All right, we'll check in with Yvonne Shell right now down at the PE and a look at the forecast. And I, as the rain stayed away today, I haven't been outside since I got to work. I hope it has. <laughs> <laughs> it's been one of the nicest days today uh, with nice. plenty of sunshine, very dry, but a different weather picture will be for tomorrow. All right, we're at the PE and we're just at Vancouver Fashion Truck. I'm going to have more on what you can expect if you're planning on heading in down. And you can do some shopping down here. We'll show you some of the items and uh, what to expect in just a moment. But the forecast. So today, beautiful, very pleasant. Temperatures did bump up. As we take a look at the tower cam right now, we can see the mountains. It's beautiful out there, but a big weather story or change is going to be on the way for many areas across the province tomorrow. A look at the Almanac, 21 was the high today. Average for this time of the year is at 20. It'll be a touch cooler for tomorrow. A record today, 28 degrees, and that was set back in 1967. Interior sections for Kamloops getting up to 27. Central interior today at 22, similar for Victoria. And for Tofino, topping out at 19. Update on the fire danger rating, still at extreme across the central interior. Most spots for the southern interior ranging between high to moderate underneath orange and the yellows and pushing into the southeastern corners where we did see some lightning strikes over the past 24 hours. Air quality advisory still stretching across most areas for the province. The Okanagan Valley included within that much of the central interior and the western sections of Vancouver Island. We're still seeing instability this evening. That's for the central interior. It'll pick up once again for tomorrow. This front system that's moving in most areas across the south coast will see the instability tomorrow and it'll continue for the interior interior sections and that'll be for thursday it'll be in the form of showers across the coast but inland sections and the interior tomorrow will be looking at the risk of thunderstorms and we are looking at the chance of showers the northern half tomorrow, rain for the morning hours, tapering off. Temperatures will be up to 15 degrees. The peace up to 16. Fort Nelson, a special weather statement has been issued where we're looking at 30 and potentially up to 60 millimeters of rainfall that will continue for your Thursday before it starts to ease off. So a significant amount of moisture. Central interior tomorrow, looking at the risk of thunderstorms. Much of the southern interior, especially for the Columbia and Kootenai, southeastern corners will be looking at risk of thunderstorms. The Okanagan tomorrow will be a chance of showers. Whistler unsettled at 17, breaks late in the day. Most areas across the island will be looking at showers for the morning hours and then breaks for the afternoon. Victoria will be up to 20 degrees. In Metro Vancouver, we're hoping to squeeze out a few breaks late day tomorrow, but we'll still see some instability for Thursday, much drier by the evening, Friday, and to the start of our long weekend. Looks like we'll get into some sunshine. So most areas uh, will start to see some breaks, but that'll be leading in towards the long weekend. Tomorrow, we're looking at a chance of showers. All right, love shopping, love to talk about it. Megan Curry, you've got the Vancouver Fashion Truck here at the PE. What can people expect if they're planning on heading in down, and what kind of items do you have? Well, I have a lot of really trendy items you can wear from day to night, super casual, but everything always has a little special touch to it. And yeah, you can just find fall transitionals, pieces you can wear today on a nice warm day and even when it starts raining. It's really cool to have this idea of a mobile truck. You're not just here at the PE. This is great for small businesses. Where else can we find you in uh, other times of the year? So I pop up at other local markets and festivals. Um, I do a lot of private shopping parties where my truck is closed and set up to just a specific group of people. But um, I have a schedule on my website that says where I'm going to be because it's kind of hard to find me. I don't have a specific location that I park at every week. Great. And if we can't, uh, can we also shop online? You can shop online. Excellent. And any popular pieces that people seem to be picking up uh, for the last couple of weeks of the peony? 
slouchy sweaters at night and uh, dresses and jeans and cute tops during the day. Perfect. A great transition to fall. Yeah. Thank you so much. And the information for your website if you want to do some online shopping. It's VancouverFashionTruck.com. Thank Super you so much, Megan, for your time. Appreciate it. All right, guys, I have some shopping to do, so we'll throw it back to you for now. <laughs> Pick something up for me, Yvonne. Thank you. Well, her story went viral not just because one of music's biggest superstars surprised her in the hospital, but because of her joy and her optimism as she waited for a heart transplant. Yesterday, 11-year-old Sofia Sanchez got the second part of her birthday wish. What? Tonight, Chicago's little fighter begins the rest of her life. I'm getting a heart, yes. Mom! Yes, Spirited Sofia Sanchez wanted just two things for her 11th birthday, to meet the wildly popular rapper Drake and a new heart. Please come and see me. It was as if she willed it to happen. Oh my God! <laughs> you asked me to come, I'm here. I'm in the Lori Shugin's hospital and look who came to surprise me. Just for you, my dear. Drake. <laughs> the second half of her wish, the one that would save her life, arrived via special delivery. And in a nine-hour operation at Chicago's Lurie Children's Hospital, Sophia received her new heart. Each time it's a little miracle, definitely. Director of Transplants, Dr. Carl Backer, says he expects a full recovery. When you see Sophie's face, think about donor awareness, because that's what has brought, is going to bring her back. Today, the kids at Kingsley Elementary sent their well wishes. Get well, Sophia. We miss you. And Drake? Well, he said on Instagram... So happy for you, my love. Meanwhile, Dr. Backer's own children are starstruck. They were more impressed with the fact that Drake came to visit my patients than that I did a heart transplant. <laughs> a story filled with rock stars. Drake, the hospital staff, an organ donor family, and of course, the little girl who's captured our hearts with her own. Kevin Tibbles, NBC News, Chicago. Birthday wishes can come true. Mm, they sure can. And on the topic of birthdays, we are celebrating one near and dear to us. Happy birthday to That is, of course, Finance Minister Carol James leading the press gallery and government staff in singing happy birthday to our very own Keith Baldry. The candle, as you can see, you turn it around, reveals he is 60 years, well, the script says young, but okay. <laughs> After having a piece of cake, uh, we've got it on good authority that Keith celebrated by hitting the golf course. Isn't that just your average Tuesday in August? For Certainly not doing anything special for his birthday. <laughs> Judging by what I'm seeing there, they should have got him a razor for his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Looking a little shaggy. A little scruffy there A little today. scruffy. Yeah. He's Happy on the 12th birthday. hole somewhere over there on the island. Uh, good to see you, Squire. Yeah, I'm uh, happy to be here as always. <laughs> no, seriously. Oh, you're back. Oh, hi. <laughs> hi, how Hello, are my you? My name is Sophie. Yes, and, and nice, nice to, to meet you. Yeah. You look a lot like this woman who used to be here. Right, a few yeah. weeks ago? Yeah, well, a few I'm weeks replacing ago. her. Well, you're doing a great job. <laughs> Thanks. Nice day. We sure are. All right, Squire. Yeah, Sophie. Before you get to your super dog story. Yes, Sophie, I'll do some sports. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. There's actually an online sports website. I think it's called Sports Club Stats. If you look at it, it does playoff chances throughout the year for every league. So we checked out the MLS, and the math right now has the Whitecaps postseason chances at 33%. Not great, but it is subject to change because the more Vancouver wins from here on out, 
the better the percentages get. But quite frankly, if they had not rallied to beat San Jose 3-2 last Saturday, their chances of a playoff spot would have been about as good as seeing Trevor Linden in the owner's box at Canucks games this year. The win was huge, and they get San Jose again this Saturday, but at home. They can't be spotting the Quakes a two-goal lead, though, again, because those kind of comebacks don't happen very often in soccer. Whitecaps steaming here. It's Reyna, and it's 2-1! Right off the kickoff in the first half, you just you felt something that we were going to get back in this game. Didn't necessarily know we were going to win it, but we knew we were back in the game as soon as we scored that first goal. It's Christian Tachera. That's a handball, but it's a 2-2 tie. Christian Tachera, and the Whitecaps are on level terms. I think momentum is pretty powerful, um, especially the way we did it so fast, back to back, boom, boom, and then we're back in the game. Flag stays down here. It's Jordy Reyna. It's Kai Kamara. Incredible. The Whitecaps have come from two down and lead three to two. I kept thinking about it yesterday, saying, you know, I don't know how we came out of that. If we can get two goals on the road, you say it will definitely make you come back home with at least a point, having, you know, three goals and not just being three goals, but in the span of time that it happened. Um, I guess, yeah, make history. Or making sense of it all. Because when it comes to comebacks, the one Vancouver orchestrated in San Jose is one you won't soon forget. Realistically, it should have never come to this. Caps spotting the opposition their usual two goals against before getting their own act together. Soccer sport is about being brave. and It's not waiting until you're one goal down or one man down before you'd be brave enough to play. It's easy to play when you're 2-0 down because there's no expectations on you because you're either going to concede a third or a fourth or you're going to get back in the game. But I want us to do that at 0-0 because when we do that and we're level, we're a good team. But to go from a good team to a playoff team, the Caps need to be better defensively. This is a side who's given up 51 goals against, just under two a match. That's the second most of any team in the Western Conference that can't continue, and the Caps know it. Teams will say it time and time again, defense wins championships. We've got to keep the ball to the back of our net because we know we're dangerous on the counterattack and we know how to score goals. Okay, yesterday, Felix Auger-Aliassime of Canada had to stop his match against his bunny, buddy Dennis Shapovalov because of an irregular heartbeat. His people said today he is fine. The heat and humidity was the culprit, not a pre-existing condition. The match was actually tied 1-1 in sets when Auger-Aliassime began to show signs of slowing down and dizziness, and he left the court in tears. Jeannie Bouchard left the court with all smiles today. Recently at the uh, Audlem Brown Vancouver Open. Qualified her way into the U.S. Open, taking on Harmony Tan of France. Bouchard looked good. Little backhand here down the line, or a big backhand down the line. Won the first set 6-3. Second set now. Not sure how far Jeannie Bouchard can go at the U.S. Open, but she looked good today. Although this was a match she should have won. Down the line again, nice forehand, here we go, match point, straight set win, 6-3, 6-1. And let's hope she didn't fall in the changing room this year. Yeah! It did happen, and she had to settle out of court, they had to pay her some money. Uh, the final cutdown for NFL rosters is Saturday, and former UBC offensive lineman Dakota Shepley is still on the New York Jets roster, and he has a decent chance to stay, maybe not as a regular player, perhaps as a practice roster guy. Uh, he was drafted by Saskatchewan in the first round of the CFL draft, but he impressed the Jets 
at a tryout camp, enough for them to sign him for training camp. He was a member of UBC's Vanier Cup winning team in 2015. Okay, after their 3-0 loss to Tottenham yesterday at home, Manchester United is off to its worst start in premiership since 1992. And that means a lot of questions and criticism for manager Jose Marino, especially after the game yesterday. He defended his players, though, and also defended himself in his post-match press conference, pointing out the crowd was not as angry as reporters made them out to be. He said they were more unhappy with the loss in Champions League play last season. We lost last season here against Sevilla, and we were booed because we deserve, because we were not good. And today the players, they left the pitch after losing at home, and they were applauded because they deserve it. Now, just to finish, do you know that what was the result? 3-0. 3-0. Do you know what this means? 3-0. But also mean three premierships, and I won more premierships alone than the other 19 managers together. Three for me and two for them. Respect, 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 man, respect, respect. Coming up on ET Canada, updates on Kesha's legal battle, plus Trish Stratus and her new feud, and more backstage news at the MMVAs with Brett Kissel and BB Rexa. All of that is coming up at 7 right after the news hour. But for now, it's back to you, Chris and Sophie. All right. Thank you, Cheryl. All right. Peony tradition. Peony tradition. There are many peony traditions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Many, it's all about tradition. Many donuts, foot-long hot dogs. Wouldn't and right really now, putting crickets on various food items, right. which I'm not so sure I like that one. But anyway, the other one is the Super Dogs, which have been around for 40 years. There's a lot of anniversaries. Coliseum, 50 years. Mm-hmm. Wooden Roller Coaster. 40, yes, Wooden Roller Coaster, 60 years. And the Super Dogs, 40 years. Here we go. For 40 years, which is 280 in dog years, this has been the Peonies' most beloved show. So the, these bulldogs are like they're from Ikea. You can stack them, correct? Totally. Here we go. And it's become like the Cirque du Soleil of dog shows. with more than one traveling around. We're right now, just right now, we are in New York, New York State doing a show called uh, Waterbark. We're at the CNE for 18 days doing this exact show. We are in St. John, uh, St. John, uh, New Brunswick right now doing a show. But it all started at the PE in 1978 as a way to promote President's Choice dog food. So the president of President's Choice, which was Dave Nichols, wanted to promote his dog food, and he asked Herb Williams to bring all the show dogs to the PE and show the show dogs and promote the dog food. But looking at show dogs is absolutely boring. So then Herb decided that he would take the show dogs and have them do something, and then Super Dogs was born. And despite being around for 40 years, it's a production that never seems to go out of style. Probably because dogs never go out of style. There's nowhere in the world this act wouldn't work, as far as I can tell. It worked everywhere. Yeah, it works yeah. everywhere. Well, there's only three types of people in the world. You have a dog, had a dog, or want a dog. You know, so you're watching the show. That reminds me of my dog. That's the dog I want, or my dog can do this. 
so many people come up after the show and say, I brought my kids, now I'm bringing my grandkids. We've been coming to the show for 35 years, 40 years, 28 years. This is the highlight of the fair. They're not saying that to, to compliment me. They're saying that because they've walked out of here happy. Dog, that dog. Time for I'm not kidding. That dog weighs more than I do. <laughs> you could ride that. <laughs> I'm dog. not even joking. I asked yeah. how many pounds is that dog. I won't tell you how many because he <laughs> might be embarrassed by his weight. But he was a little bit more than me. You're allergic to dogs, aren't you? So did you? No, not well. It depends. Sensitive. Uh, yeah, it depends on the dog. Like I didn't start sneezing around okay, these good. guys, but that's good. Yeah, they were good. Good stuff. Because good they're show, super. always. That's why. Yvonne Shell is at the PE. Uh, for us, one last check in with you, Yvonne. Soph, I got you a few items, just as you had requested. Uh, for the transition or for the last weekend of uh, will be nice weather. And then if it gets a little cooler, I got you a, a slouchy sweater. So for tomorrow, you're actually going to need the sweater, Soph, because there's going to be a few showers. And then by the weekend, you can probably put this on display, which is a dress. Um, we're at the p once again, and this is the Vancouver fashion trucks. They're mobile trucks that are going to be here till the end of the fair. Back Very to you guys. Hope you like it, Soph. My personal shopper, Yvonne, thank you. That's nice. Nothing for the guys, though, because she knows that I, all I want is mini donuts. <laughs> she'll, she'll bring some back for you. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Have a good night.